1: From what still appears to be 2020, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind BattleBots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. And today on the podcast, our interview with Hydra Captain Jake Ewart.
2: We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Castbox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Behind the Bots, and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support.
0: Time now for yet another round of Snap Decisions, where we make ill-informed predictions about this week's fight card and score them against your ill-informed predictions. Last week, we had twenty-three people participate in Snap Decisions nine of us called five out of the seven fights correctly. That group included last week's perfect predictor, Corey Schweinhart, Craig LeBlanc, Francois Pelsier, Jesse Mullen, Austin Brady, L. Irene, Graham Grizz Glover III, my behind-the-bots co host Chris, and me. We had zero people who called six out of seven fights correctly and zero people who called seven out of seven fights correctly, so this was a pretty tough week for... Snap decisions. The sure shot was Sub Zero versus Grabot with 23 out of 23 people correctly predicting that Sub Zero would win. The biggest upset was the main event. Just two people correctly predicted that Kraken would defeat Witch Doctor. All right, let's jump through uh, this week's fight card. I am really looking forward to hearing your predictions. Are you prepared, Chris, Lindsay, Kyle, for yet another week of fights?
2: Let's do it! Yes!
0: Uh, All right, big bot energy, I love it. Okay, Kyle, uh, first match of the night, our most explosive probably, Rotator versus Valkyrie. Your thoughts on this match?
3: Man, it really depends on what configuration Rotator goes with here, doesn't it? Um, Um, I'm going to give it to Rotator. I think it will be close. I think it will be painful to watch. Uh, but I think Rotator will pull it out in the end.
1: Okay. Chris Lindsay? I think um, you know, it really again, like Kyle just mentioned, it it has a lot to do with rotator's configuration. Uh, you know, but I I bet uh, you know with a with a low configuration versus Valkyrie, it's gonna end with a low blow.
0: Mmm, nice, good. I'm gonna give it to Valkyrie. Valkyrie, okay.
2: Um, and I'm gonna give it to Rotator just because um, Valkyrie looked like they still had maybe a couple things to kind of figure out after their first match um, and for that reason I'm giving it to Rotator, snap decision made
0: I um, so I, I was thinking about this match and I, I think that we will see a probably a pretty similar configuration um, to the beta match where I think we're going to see a plow on one end of Rotator which he will use in hopes of getting kind of that big, big uh, disc of Valkyrie off-kilter. Um, but I think that Valkyrie's reach and its weapon weight will um, succeed in possibly flipping Rotator. Um, and then once it's an undercutter versus undercutter, I think it, it just kind of comes down to weight and reach. Um, so I will be predicting that, uh, that Valkyrie will win this week. All right, on over to Extinguisher versus Gigabyte. Kyle, your thoughts on this match. Ooh, this is going to be a fun one. Um, (sighs) We saw a decapitation from Gigabyte earlier this season. Uh, We did. We saw a decapitation. We saw a
3: electrical failure from uh, from Extinguisher earlier this season. Right. Um, I know Extinguisher has a vertical disc spinning option to go into this match with. If I were them, that's what I would run. Um, so I am going to give it to extinguisher.
0: Mm, okay, Pris, Lindsay,
1: your thoughts. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that so long as it doesn't destroy itself, that uh, the giant dome of armor is probably gonna beat out the hammer. So I'm gonna give it to Gigabyte.
2: Okay, interesting. I am going with my heart, uh, over my gut, maybe with my gut, I don't know, I'm going with uh, Extinguisher.
0: Okay, all right. Uh, you think that Extinguisher might be able to uh, stop that huge, huge spinning spinning dome, is that right? Stop 100 to 120 pounds worth of spinning mass.
3: I mean, really, is he, will it be able to stop that aluminum bracket that holds that thing on? <laughs>
2: Uh, you know i think i think that extinguisher probably has a better chance of surviving uh gigabyte than gigabyte has of surviving gigabyte so uh yeah maybe it's controversial what can you say i'm going with extinguisher
0: i am also going to go with extinguisher just based on the speed of that robot I think that it will try and utilize that speed to pull off a successful box rush, which, uh, it was not able to do in its fight against perfect Phoenix and hopefully stop that, that giant, um, giant, uh, giant spinner and, um, keep, keep gigabyte in the corner. So, uh, so I'm also going to go with, with extinguisher. Okay. Um, on of to slap box versus Sharko. So, uh, our second time seeing both of these robots. Uh, Slapbox fresh off of a a pretty punishing loss to Tombstone and getting a uh, a robot that is perhaps a bit more at speed. Kyle, your thoughts.
3: Oof. Um, I am going to give this one to Slapbox because they will be able to win the low ground game. But uh, I think this is going to be a fun fight to watch. Um, And I think we as the fans are really going to win from this one.
1: All right, slapbox okay, uh Chris and Lindsay I think that well slapbox is one of actually my um i guess what what would you call it my fantasy league teams hmm. uh, as, as, as as like the long shot um, and uh despite that, I will probably go with my uh, inner nine year old and choose charco
2: charco okay.
0: Sharks over uh, over slaps. Um, Lindsay, your thoughts on this match.
2: So I agree with Kyle. I think that whatever happens in this match, it's going to be really, really fun. Um, And I I see Slapbox being able to pick up Sharko or grapple um, better than Sharko would be able to hurt Slapbox. So I'm going with Slapbox. Okay,
0: I am also going to go with Slapbox. All right, on over to our fourth fight of the night, which uh, has, up until this point, historically been a super interesting, super destructive match um, (laughs) against two really heavy hitters, uh, Mad Catter versus Malice. Uh, Kyle, your thoughts on this one?
3: Hmm. Hmm. This is a tough one to call. Okay. I think this is going to be a really fun match. Um, I'm going to give it to Mad Catter, mm. but uh, I am not super confident in that decision.
1: Okay. Uh, Chris and Lindsay. i I think. Oh, with that chunky uh, horizontal spinner, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to give it to Mad Catter if they're able to pull off, you know, a successful box rush. Again, I guess that also depends on their configuration that they're going to be running. I, I think it's going to be a very exciting match.
2: So so I feel a, a little bad because I think up to this point, I have not favored Malice in, in their prior matchups. Um, and I, I guess I'm going to continue <laughs> with that trend just because I think Calvin Iba with Mad Catter... Um, is is one of the top drivers out there Mm, and i know that malice's driver is so intense and he's like daniel freitas level dialed in like he is he is serious about driving and so i don't want to take anything away from him um but i i do think it's going to be an incredibly close match Um, And I I do ultimately think that it will be Mad Catter in the end, but it's going to be a really fun one. Also, um, my prediction is so uh, the Facebook account for BattleBots has been saying that there's like one really explosive match um, and they haven't named which one it is but they said that there's like one of the best matches of all time happening in this episode. And my guess is that it's going to be Mad Catter and Malice. No,
1: we actually just covered Slapbox and Charco.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Malice has also proven me wrong every time that I have bet against them. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do uh, in, in this fight.
0: Very well said. I am going to break from the pack and uh, I am going to go with Malice. I think that this robot is um, just, we're, we're going to see some really giant concussive hits from this robot and I think we're going to see our, our biggest test of Calvin Iba's driving um, yet. I, I think that the the challenges that Calvin will, will probably try and avoid a weapon-on-weapon weapon kind of encounter and malice has pretty quick turning and that huge huge disc on it is going to prove a formidable opponent so um unless calvin can attack its wheels which are pretty junky um i think that we are we're gonna see a huge amount of destruction um so i'm going to uh to agree with you there Lindsay. Uh, but i think that malice will ultimately uh win this this match all right on over to adam 94 versus tantrum Kyle, your thoughts on this match?
3: I think this is going to be a whole lot of fun. Um, I'm going to give it to Tantrum just because they're a little bit more experienced, and as we saw in their last fight, they can deal out some hits. Mm. Um, you know, they. I think uh, I think we're going to get a little showcase of what Tantrum is capable of in this fight. So, Tantrum it is for me.
1: All right, Chris, Lindsay. Yeah, tantrum. Obviously, um, they held it. They held in there a long time with Valkyrie. That's obviously a bot that's been uh, reconditioned from uh, last season, and I, and I definitely see them uh, being able to bring some uh, some of that same energy to the Adam ninety four fight. And I'll give it to tantrum. Okay, Lindsay.
2: Uh, same. I'm, I'm going to give it to Tantrum. I think, you know, Adam94 had a lot to work out in the first match, and I don't know that they will have been able to kind of rectify those things in between these two, and Tantrum's been at this a little bit longer, so uh, so I'm going to give it to Tantrum.
0: I am uh, going to say it's a clean sweep. I'm also going to go with Tantrum. Uh, I was really impressed with its performance against Valkyrie, and... Um, we haven't yet seen reliability from Adam-94. Um, I know that it's it's one of the biggest and heaviest weapons in the field, um, but we just haven't been able to see that weapon really um, in full force yet. And I'm really hoping that we can see um, them work out some of those, those kinks um, in, in this match. All right. Uh, on over to pain train versus me. This is an interesting fight. Um, both of these builders, both Joe Fabiani and Evan Arias, they are really good friends. They both live in New York city. They've competed against one another um, at events across the uh, East coast insect weight circuit. Um, and they've helped each other as well in their respective builds. So it will be a friend versus friend match here um, from two rookies. Your thoughts on this fight, Kyle.
3: Yeah, um, both of them had interesting first matches that we've seen so far. Based on the information that we got from that, um, Pain Train had some pretty inherent drivetrain issues. And um, that's a little bit harder to recover from than spring tension issues like Smee had. I'm going to give this one to Smee. Mm. Uh, but I really hope Paint Train gives us an amazing show and does a great job.
1: Chris, Lindsay, I'd say, um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting uh, to match up in the rock paper scissors of it all. I'd say that really to to, to take advantage and, and, and win over Smee, you really need to have a very um, a very strong uh, drivetrain, and you need to be able to muscle yourself either up over that wedge or uh, through it. Um, we didn't really see that from Pain Train in its in its first matchup. It also has a uh, it also has a weapon that doesn't have a tremendous amount of reach. I'm I'm still waiting to see uh, some really impressive hits from that harmonica of doom I call it that's on the front of that thing. Um, <laughs> but I really don't think that it's going to be as nimble as as it would need to be, or uh, really have uh, some of that. Um, that that torque that it would need to kind of muscle its way through or around sme so i'm i'm going to give it to sme okay lindsay
2: i wish that i had the statistics on hand for Shreddit bro versus sme at norwalk havoc to see how this uh i, I know that the Shreddit bro is a little bit different than pain train is um but i it would be interesting to know how they fared against each other on the beetleweight level um i think that this is Kind of a crapshoot of a fight. It's going to be a fun one to watch. It's very difficult to call because Smee is such an unusual bot. And we still don't really know so much how the how those weapons are, are going to work in, in a lot of instances. Um, for that reason... And just because I know that Evanarius has um, spent a lot of time in the pits on his beetle weights and can probably get Pain Train up to speed after that first fight, I'm gonna give it to Pain Train. But it's really gonna it's really gonna be an interesting one to watch. I'm not not super confident in my prediction.
0: I will also go Pain Train um, because. I am not confident in Smee's tiny little horizontal spinners at the ends of its drive pods. And with Evan's protected wheels, hopefully that'll be enough for them to avoid damage. I also think that Evan is eager to show off his pretty aggressive driving style, um, which we weren't able to see on the show in his first match. And my stretch prediction, if I can make one, is I believe that he will rocket himself over Smee's wedge, just use that like a ski ramp. And uh, I hope it would be really great um, if we saw him attacking the back of Smee. Um, but yeah, I think I think we're going to see a drastically different pain train for this match. All right, and finally over to our main event, uppercut versus Saw Blaze. We saw a tiny, tiny, maybe half of a second shot of this in um the Battle Bots kind of preseason uh, hype video and this is a fiery explosive match uh really really looking forward to seeing this one Kyle your prediction for the main event
3: yeah this is going to be i mean this is going to be a great match both of these bots are so well suited to fight each other um this is the rock versus rock of rock paper scissors right mm. um I am going to give it to Sawblaze. I think that is simply because there are more configurations that Jameson has in his toolbox that might give him a little bit more strategy options in going against Uppercut. That said, building a strategy against Uppercut is just hard.
1: Chris, Lindsay, I have little doubt in my mind that this is going to be one of the more exciting matches that we've seen. I, I, in the last five years of battle bots, you know, oh. these, these are two of, um, my personal favorite bots and each one like brings a really unique, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, equation, uh, to, uh, to combat robotics. And I, I, n- I have a feeling it's just going to end with, um, some explosive carnage. And I, uh, I, I personally, I, I would put um, Sawblaze in maybe the top five bots that I admire the most. Mm. Uh, however, I really, I I would never want to put my bot, especially one as in- intricate as Sawblaze, into the arena with Uppercut. The thing is gnarly, and I'm going to give it to Uppercut.
0: Okay. Lindsay, are you sticking with the sabes uh, and and Jameson go or uh, breaking with pack and going with apricot?
2: I am going sabay all the way. Uh, Chris, I'm I'm sorry to hear about your decision. We're gonna have to talk about that later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I think that a lot of okay. This is how I envision it happening. Whether or not this is what goes down is probably not, but. I think that Sawblaze is able to, you know, um, uh, what's the word? Um, Like, not retract, but they're able to take their weapon out of harm's way uh, when they need to because of how it articulates. And so I think that they will definitely take damage from Uppercut. I believe it will mostly be, like, surface and and, uh, level and, and maybe on the upper part of those wedges. Um, but I think that they are still gonna be able to uh, outdrive uppercut because of how nimble and just the sheer control power that Sawblaze has. And so I think it's gonna get beat up in the process. but I think they're still gonna be able to uh, get them into a corner, get them against the wall, uh, be able to stop that blade and, um, and still do some damage. Uh, with their like way more powerful weapon this season compared to, to other seasons. That's how I envision it happening. Um, but to use Chris's favorite quote, "You always have a plan until you get punched in the face," and that is uppercuts. You know, Mo, they are gonna punch you in the face. Uh, so who knows what's gonna go down? Uh, yeah. It'll it'll be fun.
0: I am. Uh, I'm going to go with uppercut. I'm, I'm going to agree with Chris um, for mm, two reasons. One. Uppercut has that that pretty interesting design where you can flip it on its head and it's fully invertible. Um, it just kind of turns around and comes right back at you. And Sawblaze with its, I mean, I, and I would agree, it, it would be smart if they tried to keep their, their weapon out of play until they were able to land a really good hit. Um, Will be a control bot, and we'll try and wedge uppercut around. Um, Saables has a really powerful drivetrain, but uppercut's pretty fast, and um, it can't be flipped. So, um, so I I think that this will come down to maybe one or two moments where there's a tactical error on Jameson's part. Um, also, I mean like. Un, unfair as a as a factor, but we saw this gigantic fireball in the um, in the preview of this match, and uh, there's only one bot that has fire here. So I mean, I think um, it indicates that you know something definitely got got damaged on on Sawblaze. Um and I just think that the huge amount of kinetic energy inside of Uppercut is really going to uh, to save the day for for this team. So I'm going to give it to Uppercut, but I am. So stoked to see this match. Really looking forward to it. Um, really looking forward to Thursday. If you want to get in on Snap Decisions yourself, look for our fight card post on Thursday and uh, send us your predictions on Facebook.
2: I've been trying not to look at those promo pictures.
0: Lindsay, for shame. Um, I mean, BattleBots put them out. They, they publish them. It's not like uh, I found them from some shadowy dark web.
2: Uh, <laughs> no, play. I know. I'm just trying not to look at them.
0: It's it's the biggest freaking fire like fireball I've ever seen on the show, and I'm like so stoked to see it live. Um, but you know, I mean, it it really doesn't like indicate what way the the <laughs> the match is going to go because it's literally just one half of a second. You know. Um, okay, I know. That's fine. Yeah, but uh, but it's pretty good. Time for this week's combat robotics news. I have two news items for you today. First up, BattleBots is encouraging its British fans to sign a new change.org petition that's designed to show British broadcasters that there's enough interest in the show to pick it up this season. The petition currently stands at a little over 1,400 signatures as of Monday, and they'd really like to get it to 10,000 signatures or more if possible. If you're British and you're listening, We'll include a link to the petition in this week's show notes, or head over to the BattleBots Facebook page for more information. And finally, I want to highlight two merch stories to close out this week's news. First, the team behind Huge is hoping to give away some free stickers this week. Send them a self-addressed stamped envelope, and they'll drop a couple stickers in the mail. Check out details on the team's Facebook page. And Las Vegas-based Jackpot is back with yet another limited edition T-shirt for the Sin City Slasher, a reference to last week's win over Ghost Raptor and them making the title of last week's episode. I can say personally, I bought their last limited edition T-shirt. It's super great quality, so I would highly recommend it. Check it out on the team's Facebook page or on their website, www.vegascombatrobotics.com. All right, let's switch gears and get into our recap of episode five. This was such a great episode. Uh, We saw a lot of destruction, a couple of very convincing knockouts, good driving, and Kraken in top form. We saw multiple bots get ripped apart, and somehow the Hydra match has managed to overshadow everything this week. I feel like it sucked out all of the air from the room. Um, And... uh, it's it's I mean like this this was on balance just one of the very best episodes of BattleBots that I've seen in recent years. Wow. Um, I really want to get into the huge Hydra fight, but first let's get into our recap. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on these matches. First up, Black Dragon versus Claw Viper. Uh, This was a match between two of the most nimble bots in the field. Claw Viper is so incredibly fast. They were saying on the broadcast that it can get up to 20 miles per hour in half of a second. Claw Viper captain Kevin Mulchewski attempted the box rush but ran into the wall and never really looked right after that, appearing to lose his grappling arm, some smoking, and uh, got counted out twice. We saw much better driving in this match from Black Dragon who earned a convincing knockout in 93 seconds and improves to 2-0. Your thoughts on this match?
3: I loved it. I thought this was a great match. Um, It was nice to see Black Dragon look like Black Dragon again. And um, yeah, I was happy to be very wrong about my predictions. It, um,
0: you know, Claw Viper, I... Still, we haven't seen really great grappling from Claw Viper. We've seen a lot of speed. We've seen a lot of kind of toughness with its wedge. Um, you know, is Claw Viper a true grappler? I mean, uh, any, any thoughts on that? I mean, do we have a, a law machine that has somehow found its way to sneak onto the field?
3: No, I think uh, that lifter can definitely lift. Um, I don't know if the the grabbing arm can really grab, just considering it's UHMW. It's more there for control. Uh, but but they can definitely lift. I just don't uh, think they had any opportunity to, to do that in this fight. And how are you going to lift a bot that's like four feet long from their first fight?
0: Um, I would also say like the the improved driving from Black Dragon is. Um one of the more interesting factors in play here. We saw such incredibly good driving last season and kind of so-so driving so far in 2020. Um, so it is good to see them back in top form. Really looking forward to seeing their, their third fight in the box. All right, on over Two Jackpot versus Ghost Raptor, which was a super destructive match. As a fan, I would describe this as simplicity versus complexity. Uh, They kept hammering home that Jackpot is a $4,000 bot that looks very simple, big weapon, big reach, not a lot of frills, whereas Ghost Raptor is complex. It looks complex. It is complex. It's got this horizontal spinner attached to a lifter, this super wide stance that invites trouble if they lose that spinner, uh, which they did. Decapitated by Jackpot in one of the kind of first explosive moments of the 2020 season, like really kind of a cool defining moment, I would say. Um, and then just Jackpot went to work and tore off one side of, of the drive from from the frame. Um, after the match, Ghost Raptor said they suspect two things went wrong. Their blade wasn't spinning fast enough and they failed to weld the shaft support pedestal to the head weldment, which just allowed Jackpot to pop off their their huge, huge blade big win for Jeff, a uh, very convincing win and jackbot improves to 2 and0 uh it certainly clinched its spot in the top 32 your thoughts on this match
1: it definitely proved that it could you know drop a big hit and uh you know I, there's there's so much uh, talk about and, and we and we see it in some of the interviews that they do on the show about this like, you know, this romanticized top 32. Will they make it? Will they not make it? I mean, there's, there's, there's what 54 teams. Yeah. And, and 10 bots. There's 10 bots out there that probably don't even start. So like, you know, if your bot is two and out, you're going. And yet we're asking some of these builders like, all right, you're two and O you've just decapitated a really expensive bot. Do you think that you've impressed you know the judges and the decision makers enough to have earned a spot in the highly coveted top 32 what say you And it, it's like yeah yeah i mean my bot starts i'm going to be in the top 32 and we're going to we're going to probably see bots that are o3 in the top 32
0: Chris, Chris, you're, you're destroying the mystique of this show, all right? you're, you're, you're you're
1: pulling back the curtain. All right. Your
3: hot take was too spicy, Chris. It hurt uh-huh. my
1: tongue. <laughs> Just turning into a like a, a jaded old man. <laughs>
3: uh,
1: um, this to me
3: was uh, exemplary of kind of the new school of thought versus the old school of thought, um, and also you know. Uh, a guy who can build a slap together quit bot, a quick bot really fast versus a guy who does a whole lot of meticulous planning and um, thinking before he puts his bot together. And uh, you know we saw the example of uh, what happens when that when you got your meticulous planner versus your guy who can get it done real fast. So you know, it was a fun match. Um, it was really cool to see. I, I did not think it would go this way, but I can't say I'm
2: surprised. Uh, yeah. I know in in the preseason there was a lot of buzz around Jackpot when we would ask builders you know who who are you most looking forward to seeing who are you impressed by uh Jackpot came up a lot and after the first fight i was like oh i ho- i hope we get to see something a little more from them and i think that this fight really delivered on that and uh Man, it, it was uh, it was painful <laughs> for for poor Ghost Raptor. Uh, and I, I do feel for that team because, you know, they, they haven't been here in a couple of years. And I'm sure it took a lot for them to kind of get out and, and compete this year amidst everything going on. Um, so I, I give them that credit. But, wow, yeah, jackpot was looking good.
0: Um, if you haven't done so already, I would encourage you to check out Ghost Raptors AMA on Reddit. Chuck Pitzker, the... Um, the captain of that that team, is a super thoughtful builder. He's put a lot of, of time and energy and thought into it. Super talented roboticist, built a lot of really interesting, cool projects over the years. And um, you can really tell that he's thought a lot about his builds. And um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the uh, the super trained intelligent boxer uh that gets caught in a street fight with somebody who wasn't expecting it. you know like really jackpot is is there to do one thing it is it is very deep sex, deep six-esque and um you know it's it's all about power it's all about reach very simple design um and sometimes that that is really the most effective um when, when it comes to a, a matchup like this All right, on over to our most lopsided match of the night, Sub-Zero versus Grabot. Tough first match for Grabot Captain Ben Davidson, who's trying to build a new type of weapon um, and bring it to BattleBots. Uh, These little metal hands that are capable of opening and closing, lifting and twisting. Um, I really wish that we could have seen more of these hands and what they could do. um, But... In reality, this really was was Sub-Zero's match from um, from the very start. Uh, just flipping Grabot over and over again. Um, good to see new captain, Logan Davis, getting a win and some good flips in. Your thoughts on this match?
1: Love seeing a Sub-Zero that is working the way it is supposed to. Right, I, yeah.
3: I was going to say, I love seeing Sub-Zero in a squash match. And it was really nice that this time Sub Zero was not the one getting squashed in that squash match.
0: <laughs> I I'm I'm interested in what those little hands do and kind of what the uh, what the thinking was, the strategy behind the hands. You know, um, Ben Davidson obviously is a big BattleBots fan. Um, he listens to the show as well, so hello, Ben. Um, but I mean, like, as as you're as you're sitting on your couch and you're watching TV and you're looking at Tombstone and you're going, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the garage. I'm going to build a robot that can compete uh, against all of these huge robots. And they're going to have these tiny little metal hands. So, like, um, <laughs> I want to I wanna know. I want to know what those hands do. I'm, like, so curious about the hands. I want to see more hands, you know? And I want to see Grabot do what Ben envisions it, doing at least once in this season
2: i agree completely i really 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 hope that we get to see grab come back and at least show us like what what that does because it's really a mystery at, at this point point. and i know that they worked really hard on this uh on this new technology um but man sub-zero's win like afterward in the in the post interview when he was with his dad logan was with his dad like i cried a happy tear or two i'll admit it it was a really tough week i think for for a lot of people last week um and i i i think that battle bots is where people go to kind of escape from it all and and get a break mm-hmm. and you know even even later on in this episode maybe there were things that kind of you know, drag, drag dad a little bit. But in that moment, watching, uh, Logan's dad tell him that he loved him and, and seeing them fight together after so many years of, of doing this, it was like the wholesome content that I'm here for that I want to see, you know, maybe, maybe even a little bit more of, um, but it was, it was such a gratifying win for them. And I was so, so, so happy.
0: Lindsay, um, i i will i will say that um i also cried a little happy tear when um brady told logan that he loved him and then i realized like oh my god maybe my relationship with my own father is like horribly broken because like that uh you know it got me right there you know (laughs) um because it was just such a wholesome moment it was just like oh god it's so great to like see see them see them on top you know
2: well, well-deserved after, you know, a tough run over the last couple of years.
0: On over to uh, a match that uh, generated almost no online controversy. Uh, I haven't heard much about it at all. Huge versus Hydra. I think I almost forgot. I don't know what, what happened in this match. We can, uh, probably
1: just, we can probably just skip over this one. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, literally nothing happened.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> mm. It's
1: true. Yeah. <laughs> um, this
0: match, okay, I, I don't want to talk about it for like eighty five minutes, um, but this match almost gave me like an existential crisis this week. Um, then, <laughs> almost? Yeah, it, it did. Like, um, I I entered the valley of despair. I think when it came to BattleBots, and um, just like really, it it was like it was like a match that caused me to search my own soul for answers. You know. Um. I just quickly. If BattleBots hated the match, they should have turned it into a basement fight, and we wouldn't have seen it for like four more months. And it would have shown up on YouTube with that weird no commentary, just the sound of of a bike rack silently in the uh, in the arena. You know, um, but they didn't do that because they liked the match, and then they ran it, and 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 everything ran it as the the fourth fight in this you know, and then, and then came out the next day. Oh, we're so disappointed. We're going to change the rules, blah, 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 willful, you know, non-use of a active weapon. Give me a break. Like if they really hated it, they would have killed the match. Um, they would have disqualified Jake. They didn't do either of those things, but instead, um, poor team Waiachi has just been at the receiving end of so much controversy this week. Um, so that's what I have to say about that.
3: If uh, if we haven't had the privilege of interviewing the producers of the show and of BattleBots on this show, then I would like to think of the producers in this instance as Emperor Palpatine on his throne, just, you know, twiddling his fingers together saying, Yes, let the hate flow through <laughs> your hands. Yes. <laughs> Because, like, man, they really did enjoy the engagement, I think. The, the amount of just pure, unadulterated emotion they got thrown at this. Mm. Um, it has made moderating the BattleBots group very difficult this week. So, you know, I, I like fan engagement. I like the fact that uh, that everybody's been into it and that everybody's been talking about it and that everybody has their opinions. And uh, boy, boy, they don't have a problem sharing them. Boy, don't they.
0: <laughs> is it positive for, for the show, though, you know, to have hundreds of people upset at a team? Like, yeah. Is it good for the, the health of the show, really? Yes.
3: Yes, it is. Because... What BattleBots understands, I hope, is that engagement online brings you viewers. And what gets you engagement online is anger and hate. That is what gets people to comment on Facebook especially. The algorithms are specifically set up that you see more of what you are angry about, you see more of what other people are angry about. That is part of the big problem with Facebook, and in this particular instance, I believe um that the battlebots producers are using that to their advantage.
0: I think it's too also a kind of perfect storm in that um Jake doesn't mind being the heel on a TV show, you know. I can't I can't imagine what the what the backlash would be if this was you know, one of the most beloved <laughs> kind of family friendly builders in the sport. I don't know who's who's the most popular builder. Um I think Hal Rucker from Duck would have a
3: <laughs> Yeah. Bear- yeah just the sweetest nicest guy who designs beautiful robots
0: yeah or like you know if if will bales came out with a mega rake you know (laughs) and pushed around huge instead people would be like oh my god it's will oh he's so amazing (laughs) you know but uh but we saw the double
1: the double rake versus huge Yeah. yeah it didn't work yeah
0: i don't know I don't know. Anyway, we're, we're going to have Jake on. He's going to talk for like an hour about this whole thing. Um, really good interview. Um, and uh, and he kind of gives his perspective on it, which I think is nuanced. Um, One thing all right. I didn't
3: cover in the interview that I feel like should be said is, historically speaking, this is totally in character for Team Yachi. They are the ones that exploited the walker rule in the original series and brought a shuffle walker in order to get the weight bonus and take advantage of that weight bonus. Um, and the reason that the Walker rules are written as specifically as they are now is because of the original uh, son of Waiachi. Like the original son of Waiachi took advantage of that Walker weight bonus in the most cheap way humanly possible, but Hey, they, it was in the rules. They were allowed to do it and they dominated that season. So, you know, this is uh, this is, on brand for them.
2: Can I Don't... voice my displeasure for just one second?
0: Okay, Lindsay, sure.
2: Okay. Okay. So, uh, we're recording this after BattleBots made a comment on Facebook on the, uh, uh, you know, Team Wyachi AMA Facebook post where they called mm-hmm. the match an embarrassment and yep. seemed like livid that such a thing was allowed to happen. Um, <laughs> And that didn't sit right with me because clearly they set them up for this. And as we've hypothesized, this is exactly what they wanted. So I feel like you shouldn't be able to set someone up to be the villain. Um, you know, like actually okay their bot. They had to okay it. Uh, we, we hear, you know, Jake talk about the process in, in, the, um, in the interview. So they, they agreed to it. And now they're pretending like, oh, man, how could he do such a thing? What an embarrassment. We're going to have to, you know, uh, change the rules next year because, wow, they really got one over on us. And that didn't sit well with me. I I think at the beginning, um, you know, last week, I was really kind of upset about how the match went down. And and I, I placed a lot of that on Jake. Uh, but as as I learned more, it, it seems really clear to me that this was, like you guys were saying, exactly what they wanted, and it was it was uh, preordained by the producers. But if, if you're going to do that, that's fine, I suppose, even though that's not my first choice and what I want to see in BattleBots. I don't want to see kind of cheap manufactured drama. I want to see... Um, good fights and i want to see the science behind it and i want to see the engineering feats and and that kind of thing that's what i'm i'm personally interested in but if you're going to go down this route don't then place the blame on your builder um like like they did on Jake and then call it an embarrassment like that's not cool to me and i didn't like it so that's uh lindsay voicing her displeasure uh january 11th 2021
0: Lindsay, i i'll join you up there on that soapbox and saying that I think that they could have couched this in a different way. They could have said, this is a really sneaky strategy and welcome to the sport. Like there's sneaky strategies sometimes. Like, look at the shuffler bot from 20 years ago. Look at the the present, you know, that <laughs> Ghost Raptor got in season one, um, you know.
3: huge. Hey, all of the bots are three inches off the ground. Let's build a bot that none of them can touch.
0: Right right you know like look look at the rake like you know sometimes you're gonna see something wild come out and like that's just part of the show that's part of the strategy and like let's talk about the strategy and what do you think's going to happen i don't know there's like there's a different way to to put this so that you can see like oh well i i can understand jake's point of view versus like hey let's just throw him to the uh, to the wolves you know
3: yeah i mean part of it is i guess progressing the storyline right they, they needed the villain, they got one. But you're right, uh, it's it incumbent upon Huge to develop a winning strategy. Uh, this was not a secret, this was out there, and they could have done that.
0: Right, yeah. All right, on over to uh, another unbalanced match, uh, but also super destructive, and I loved watching it. Fusion versus Aegis. I've been saying Aegis, I guess it's Aegis. Uh, <laughs> I guess Um, this, this was basically kind of reminiscent of the sub zero and Grabot match, but flipped Um, total destruction on Aegis, which got a tough first match. Again, it's a pretty destructive little experimental bot in fusion Um, fusion ran, it drove, it seemed pretty operational and really did what it, what it came out to do tearing off this big chunk off of Aegis's right side just showering the battle box with uh, what looked like spray foam from underneath this um, pretty ineffectual Kevlar armor um, your thoughts on this match Chris you called it
3: w- what did you say would happen to A- A- Aegis's armor on this <laughs> last episode
1: I, I believe that I said that Fusion would disregard Aegis's armor <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty powerful language from chris <laughs>
3: that was uh, this was uh this was a really fun match uh and yes uh fusion did disregard aegis's material as armor um th- this was just great I mean it was cool to see the bot work uh it was cool to see it just totally shred something and this is destruction that you want to see you know like this was great I enjoyed it
2: do we do we think that Aegis is gonna be back again later in the season or do you think that was it for them?
3: They have more shells oh okay so they, yeah. presumably they they could come back
0: they can cast more shells there at the show from what I understand
3: yeah, yeah they're able to cast more shells and I think they had a few ready to go they they are um you know there to get beat up on I think so they're they're ready to go for that.
2: Do you think uh, they're going to make a new rule next year that you can't use Kevlar like that? Like, after uh, how messy it was?
3: It was not as messy as the foam. It was not even close. (laughs) Like, that stuff used to just, like, make a sheet across the battle box floor of just debris. Um, So, no, I I don't think there will be a rule against that. They like destruction, and this stuff actually tore up very nicely. It was kind of cool the way that it all, like, splintered out and shredded apart.
2: R.I.P. Robots Foam.
0: R.I.P.
3: Ribot's Foam.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. On over to Lockjaw versus The Big Dill, where uh, we saw really good driving on display on this match uh, from Lockjaw, which came out with a pretty chunky 50-pound vertical disc, which I don't think we've seen before. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle. Uh, and The Big Dill really seemed to be plagued with drive issues for most of this match, And got one of its forks bent up at one point really rendering its its main weapon um you know pretty mangled um lockjaw also predictably had its own reliability issues you know smoking a bit during the match losing its weapon toward the end um this match went the full three minutes which really is a testament to the toughness of both of these robots um but unanimous decision for donald hudson and lockjaw your thoughts on this driving match
3: it was the right call. The The unanimous decision was absolutely the right call. Um, yeah, I, it seemed like Big Dill was getting stuck, and they lost half of their drive right off the bat. Yeah. Um, and that's that's hard. You don't want to be crab-walking when you don't have, especially when you don't have a spinning weapon, um, and especially when you're going up against somebody that knows what they're doing as much as Donald Hudson does. Yeah. Um, You know, credit to Emmanuel. He was able to kind of hold Donald off and defend himself and, you know, not give him any like clear shots until about the middle of that match. Um, I thought Emmanuel did a great job considering the circumstances. It is what it is. You know, sometimes you lose half your drive and you have to drive against the legend of the sport and hope you don't die. And I think he did a great job at that. Um, But it is what
0: it is. Well said, Kyle. All right, on over to our main event, Kraken versus Witch Doctor. This was our feel-good moment of this uh, of this, this night. Um, Matt Spurk's first real defining moment of the 2020 season. Probably the best performance we've ever seen from Kraken ever. Um, really showing off his driving skill and his bot's ability to really control an opponent in Witch Doctor. Witch Doctor had, again, some real challenges, um, and, uh, they suspect that, that their weapons are damaged and that they, they have to go out and build another weapon on the fly, which is going to be really interesting to see in its third, third fight, but Witch Doctor drops to and two, which is not where you want to be, um, I will say that <laughs> at one point in the match, in my notes, I wrote in all caps, I am a Kraken believer, which um, I think really sums up this fight. Um, if you had any doubt in your mind that Kraken is a totally competent, tough, fast, hard-hitting robot, this match was really the match that kind of put all of those questions to rest um your thoughts on matt's really big win this past week
3: in order for matt to win this fight he had to do everything right and he did
1: well put that's true
3: (laughs) that's that's like uh, all you have to say but i mean he had to do everything right and he did he crushed it uh there is you know, broken weapon aside, there there is nothing you can take away from Matt Spurk in this match. He drove like a demon and won hands down fair and square. Great match.
2: I have to say, when it went to the judges, I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> because well, who knows <laughs> these days what's, what's going to happen. Um, and I, you know, in our last episode, I said... No matter what happens, no matter who wins or loses, I hope that it's a clear win and that it's not a controversial decision, especially not one against uh, Kraken. And so I was so happy that this was a unanimous win. It was so clear. Um, I am finally healed over the Kraken and Black Dragon decision. (laughs) I hope Matt is too because, wow, that was – that was – a a feel good moment for sure. Absolutely.
1: I know a lot of people share the sentiment online, but it's almost a shame that so much drama was kind of born out of the Hydra huge fight because it actually kind of took some of the oomph out of Kraken's win over, over witch doctor, which is arguably one of the best bots that has ever entered the box. That Mm. is such a huge deal for Matt. And, um, you know, yeah, just like Kyle said before, it was impeccable driving and no mistakes, and didn't really give Witch Doctor the opportunity to, you know, get around it, get to those wheels, to, uh, you know, to 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 come up on on its uh, on its backside. Nothing. It was uh, it was just a flawless it was a flawless match for Matt. Well said.
2: Um. So just as kind of a as kind of an episode or or mid season recap, one thing I want to say is. Clearly there's been a lot of controversy and judging calls. There's been a lot of question and like strategy and tactics and uh, all of that. But one thing that we have not had to talk about even for one second, this entire season is the floor. (laughs) And I just want to say how relieved I am and how much I appreciate having a new floor in the box that we don't have to, talk about constantly um it's it's really refreshing it's really nice it, it makes the sport feel a lot more legitimate that you know bots aren't literally getting hung up because of uh damaged pieces of the floor and so for that thank you amen testify
3: that is 100 percent accurate
0: <laughs> you know I, I would agree. Uh, I I can't imagine any other sports where they're like, oh, you know, we were playing a basketball game. But, uh, you know, LeBron James, he fell into that hole in the floor and broke his ankle. So uh, I guess that's why they lost the match, you know. Um, so it's nice.
3: <laughs> oh, God. LeBron was try- dribbling down the court. And then one of the wood planks just flipped up and caught his shoe in it and he couldn't continue the rest of the game he was just stuck there while the other players dribbled around him and it was
0: terrible (laughs) (laughs) and that's it for this week's predictions news and fight night recap
1: after the break our interview with jake ewert from hydra
0: This week on the podcast, we have a very special returning guest, Hydra Captain Jake Ewert. Jake's innovative hydraulic flipper went deep into the competition in its rookie season and returned to the competition this season with a bot that promised to flip higher and harder. He earned a convincing knockout in his match against Witch Doctor and improved to 2-0 this past week following an unconventional win over Huge. We're looking forward to learning more about that fight and the 2020 Hydra in the hour ahead. So welcome to the show, Jake. Hey, how's it going, guys? (laughs) <laughs> it's Going so well. Um, our our first interview with you was so popular. I feel like um, I learned a lot about Hydra in that interview. A lot of other fans got so many questions answered about the builds. Um, so I, I'm really stoked to uh, to kind of break down this fight with with huge and um, and then answer you know also kind of send you over a bunch of fan questions about uh, about the build this season because um, I think they're pretty interesting. Um, so, yeah, I just want to jump straight into that match, this controversy, you know. Um, I would love to start by, like, kind of just chronologically going back and understanding when you started to think about this possible match against Huge and what was going through your mind, like, what was the strategy that was forming when you thought about facing this pretty unconventional Ah,
4: uh, Well uh you cannot believe the size of the smile on my face by this question because i knew it was coming obviously but uh, the controversy is uh is pretty big um there's been a lot of good and bad but um just to lay down the line i mean i love that the engagement that the fans are given to the show is uh is incredible whether or not it's it's good or bad or i'll be the heel if they need me to be but um i just want to start with that um as yeah. far as the huge attachment um we had the bot done about ten days before we had to actually ship it out, um, and of course we were thinking about different attachments for different bots. Um, so we actually made two different attachments. Um, we made a, which was more of a Lexand top armor, and then we we uh, came around and we're thinking, you know what, we're we're going to get the same run as Bronco had the previous year. Uh, they had Bite Force first, and then they had huge. Um, we were probably going to get something close to around those lines. So. Um, we figured we were going to have them, so we had to come up with some kind of design uh, to you know, either nullify them or actually give them something to hit. Uh, we had a few radical ideas, like kind of sticking a lawnmower out front. We'd have to gut mm. the hydraulics and all that good stuff, but uh, we definitely went away from that. Um, that would have been a lot funner, though. Uh, but we ended up with just this, this steel tube frame, like one by 2 steel. It's really thin. Um, and we just kind of mocked it up off of pictures um, from previous bots of him standing next to his bot uh, so we can generally know the size of what huge was and um, we set the bar at roughly what we thought halfway his wheels were and and then we went to the max width we could which was eight foot within the rules Um, because we wanted to be i mean that thing was if you turn too much, you were going to overturn and he'd easily hit those corners and it would just rip off completely. So we needed to make it as wide as possible and make it fairly easy to drive. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we made that a few days before we, we left and we, you know, it's bolt together. So we just ripped it apart. Of course, I had to powder coat it beforehand, make it all nice and pretty because I didn't want just rattle can at the competition if we had to use it. So I made it look good right away.
0: Uh, um, yeah. So you, so you, pack the the cow catcher um in the crate you ship it across country like as you're setting up your pits like did the producers see the cow catcher like did the builders see the cow catcher can you kind of talk about the reaction to seeing this Uh, pretty giant
4: attachment i mean we we unpacked the crate and threw everything out on the tables it wasn't a you know together bolted together because it's in four different parts um but no, nobody really seen it prior to the day before, um, the day before when we knew what the match was, uh, we put it all together and we set it up on the table out front of the pits with a, with a sign that says, uh, this is huge. So everybody knew what it was. So if you walk past the pits and we were at the end of the line next to the food, so half of the pits at least had to see this thing for quite some time. Uh, but yeah, it, it was out there. I mean, people knew about it. Um, uh, we, uh, we bolted it on the bot and when uh, Greg comes around and does his you know inspections of the pits and just talking with random people, we we got on to talking about the fight and how you know if this thing actually worked, it was probably gonna be pretty boring. Uh, of course, you know, he was expecting it just to break like every other attachment did. So I mean it was kind of a surprising we were surprised even by it. Uh, I mean <laughs> uh, yeah. Richard on the team, he, he gave it like a 10 or 20% chance of of doing it and actually working with it. So it was like, yeah, do we do it? Do we not? Um, we went the safe decision obviously. Um, but it was, it was definitely known what was going to happen if it worked and, uh, it was known beforehand and all that good stuff.
0: Yeah. I I saw on Facebook that you said that you'd warn the producers that if this thing worked, it would be a, pretty boring fights like probably not a lot of sparks probably not a lot of like giant flips you know um can you talk through kind of what that conversation was like well they they
4: advised against using it i'll say that Mm. um because they they knew that it was you know if it ended up bad it was going to put on a bad show um but to the rules they really couldn't say not to use it so i think they were kind of in limbo on that one with you know hoping we didn't use it but not being able to really affect it because we we had it we showed everybody it was it wasn't like a spring of the moment kind of thing um this thing was planned well before the event was even out um but yeah co- coming into it they they knew what there was there was a possibility that it was going to be dull that's that was the thing um mm-hmm. looking back at the the fight i mean there was a few times There was four, actually, that I had a possibility of flipping when he was actually sideways to my wheels. Um, But when the thing started to work, it's like that kind of took precedence, and I almost forgot about the flipper for the most part (laughs) because it was just working. Um, During the match, it was so weak that I didn't know that was going to work. So when we would push them to the wall... I purposely stopped short and you can see him slide into the wall, but me kind of stopped because I didn't want to slam into him where it would risk bending or breaking the bar because even if it moved like an inch, then he'd start to hit stuff. So it was a, it was a delicate dance really with him. Um, I'm surprised I could get him over to the, the corner and to the hammer. Um, that was kind of the, the whole strategy was, you know, do some damage, hopefully get a hammer hit, maybe push him around a little bit. Uh, but, I mean, it worked, but it wasn't any, anywhere good match. No, not really.
0: Um, in, in your mind, you know, if you think about what it hap- what would have happened if you didn't bring the cow catcher or if for some reason it fell off, you know, as you're coming out of your your starting square, um, what do you think would have happened in that match, um, just given the rock, paper, scissors of huge against the flipper?
4: Um, If it would have fell off during the match, um, I would have had zero armor. I had to take all my armor packages off to do anything. Uh, So he would have had fresh titanium that wasn't very thick to just keep eating into. So I would have had holes across the whole top. Um, It would have probably wrecked the bot for the whole competition, and we probably would not have had another fight. Um, That's pretty much as simple as it was. Had we had something else as an attachment... Um our thinking was with not doing this was don't give him something to hit. We've seen a lot of people just feed stuff to him, but technically he's getting damage points even though it's armor and it's, you know, not part of the bot, but he still gets damage points that way. Um so we could have went in with a big chunk of steel and just fed it to him his spinner and then maybe got a flip on the wheels. Um but that's a that was a, not as safe a route, I'll say that. Um and even if I do get flips I still think he would – unless he splits in half or his spinner dies, he probably still wins that match. This was really logically the only way we could win, um, even if we could flip him because the flips on on Huge are not going to be spectacular. It might be him tipping over, uh, but the wheels are going to take up so much of that shock loading, and it really wouldn't
0: damage him much. Right. I, I, can, I can see kind of the path where you say to yourself – either I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to feed myself to this monster bot and destroy Hydra, basically maybe not even have enough parts to go into the top 32 or I can survive and I can like kind of outwit this pretty unconventional bot with an unconventional attachment. Um, and I can, I can, I can see the, the thinking that that went into that decision.
4: Oh, it's, it's not even a, a part situation. Um, mike in the witch doctor fight he he led on to it that i only have one frame there is only one hydra in existence so if they rip through my frame there's nothing to replace it i would have to gut it try to we weld all the holes back up i mean if it actually took substantial damage um it would there's no coming back from it
0: yeah um you know like the show obviously edits things in a particular way. And I'm curious, you know, when you were actually there, you go back to the pits. You've got your winner's chip, you know, against Huge. What was the reaction from the builders? Did they come by your table and talk to you about the match? Um, did you hear about it in the food line? You know, um, can, can you talk about what happened in the days after that match? I wouldn't say they came up and congratulated me on it. <laughs> um
4: but there's there was definitely um they could see my side and they can see huge side so there was there was already back and forth um at the event uh but i mean i did what i had to do it it is a competition after all i mean yes i playing the heel a little bit there and and uh they, they obviously like the cut that i give them every every interview because i kind of for some reason. I don't know why I do this, but I give them both sides. I give them that good side. I give them the bad side, and they seem to always cut me to the bad side. <laughs> uh, especially nice <laughs> especially with that whole witch doctor overrated thing. That whole thing came about from, like, they were talking about, hey, are you going to be the villain this year? And then, of course, I said something like, oh, yeah, I mean, if I was going to be the bad guy, I'd say, like, insert witch doctor's overrated. And, of course, they use that cut. So, yeah. I mean, yeah I said it I can't take it back I did say it but I mean it was definitely taken out of context
0: um I I'm curious you know why do you think there was so much controversy after this match I mean did you think it was going to be this controversial and then I guess also kind of a follow-up did you think that the match was going to go this particular way and if it went this way did you think it was going to be controversial after it, it hit the air
4: if it worked it was going to be boring Um, I didn't necessarily think we're going to win with that. Um, Maybe the hammer hits would do enough. I never would have thought it would have been um, a unanimous decision um, whatsoever. Um, As far as controversial, over the last months, I didn't think twice of this. Um, I really didn't think it was going to be that big of an outrage. Um, I thought, oh, yeah, okay, it's a lame fight, and then people just get over it. Um, (laughs) Apparently not, but uh, I, I roll most of these comments off. Um, without too much thought about it, I mean, I I like it. I mean, it's it's engagement, I guess, uh, with the with BattleBots and and with the TV show. So it's it's showing that if the fans can get emotional about a show, that's a good thing. I mean, yes, they're mad at me, but they're engaged. So I can't ask for anything better than that.
1: At least it gives us all something to be emotional like about in the world today.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going down that's not so great. So, uh, if I can lighten up a you know a little bit, so it will help. Everybody, yeah, it was
3: uh, a it's a slow news week, Jake. So thanks for giving us something to talk about for sure. Like,
4: apparently, it's the only thing to talk about for the last five days.
1: <laughs> Speaking so, of, I think, I think your uh, your cattle catcher barricade that you've fabricated would be really beneficial to some of the folks down in D.C. To keep uh, some crowds out of Congress.
4: Yeah, yeah. The, the peaceful protest bot, right? Just keep pushing them around.
0: <laughs>
3: All right. So uh, I wanted to get into some fan questions. We have a great many much of them.
4: Oh, Uh, really? I hope not.
3: (laughs) We have so many. Um, So we're going to get the the big fan questions, the uh, cantankerous fan questions, if you will, out of the way first.
0: Sure. Um,
3: So I'm going to read a four-part question by Alexander Archer. Um, Alexander asks, why didn't you listen to the referee when he ordered you? To free huge from the corner, surely that's not good sportsmanship behavior, and would have disqualified you from the tournament. Now, I don't know if he sounds, uh, you know, that disgruntled, but I read it that way, and uh, it, it sounds that way when when I read it in my head. So,
4: sure, um, I, can, you I can take that. <laughs> um, the The whole thing was is production knew about this. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty positive that the refs were primed with that pin call instantly they they knew that if it worked it was coming so he was ready to call it and he's 70 feet away on the other side of the box he can't actually see if if huge is pinned or not um the whole back away was just me trying to state my point that he could actually move now technically you know it's part of the rules and all that good stuff we won't get into the pin right now but um that was the whole thing was i had to state my point um he must have liked my argument because he he uh did not disqualify me or do anything wrong. I mean he liked my case and I, I that's that's all I could do with it. I mean you if weren't he wouldn't touch him, you know like. I mean he did give me the warning and then obviously I backed away and then you know the fight continued. So all
3: right. So next question from Alexander along the very same vein. Why did the judges pick you as the winner despite not using your primary weapon once against Huge? We just had the exact same controversy in the beta versus rotator match. Uh,
4: yeah, I couldn't tell you. Um, you know, chronologically <laughs> yeah. the, the beta fight was actually after ours. Yeah. So maybe there, that shed some light on why they have it. They, they didn't actually see anything like that
3: prior to that actual fight with you. Oh, so they were like still stuck in customs while this fight was happening. Basically.
4: Well, they were on site. They were there, but, uh,
3: gotcha.
4: the, the fight actually happened afterwards. So, um, I mean, they could have made a mistake. I mean, they all three of them would have had to, though. That's the thing. It right. wasn't. It was unanimous. So somewhere in the, along the lines, they thought the judging criteria went my way.
3: All right. Here's the next question from Alexander. Do you think the rules should be changed next season, where there will be a penalty for not using an active primary weapon?
4: Oh, I like this one. Yeah. I mean, it should. But I'll caveat with this. I still came into that match with a more you know, active weapon than some of these other bots that uh, <laughs> are still around here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, yeah, I, I totally see if you don't use a weapon or you can't actually do anything. Say the bot's just sitting there, right? And you can't do damage to him. Do you actually have an active weapon? No, you don't. So, and just saying that you slamming him into the wall... A piece of iron fixed to the buck and do that. So that shouldn't count as active weapon either. Uh, so, yeah, there should definitely be a penalty for not using it.
3: All right. And then Alexander's last question, which is, uh, you know, not in the same vein at all. Um, is Son of Wayachi competing in the main tournament or just the Bounty Hunters mini tournament?
4: Uh, yeah, it's just in the bounty tournament. Um, we, we barely got it together and we only used the stuff that we had scraps laying around of for, for Sal. I mean, we had no spares of anything. We could not put it through a tournament if we wanted to. And that thing is, you know, a monster for eating parts.
3: Whew. Yeah, I bet it is. (laughs) Um, all right. So Kevin Sporka asks if huge made direct contact with your attachment, how would it have held up against their weapon? No, he did as there were sparks at one point in the fight, as I recall, is that, is that right?
4: Uh, yeah, it was, but it wasn't to the attachment. Um what happened there was Jonathan did this this kooky move that actually worked. He got his legs um up underneath the the bar and actually lifted the bot up um while I was driving forward. And then the front nose actually tilted up enough and that's what hit hit his weapon.
3: So he hit but, titanium.
4: Yeah, he hit titanium. Yep, exactly. That's right. uh-huh. So not the, that's, that's what the bar was. Um but it he he kept trying it and it was lucky that he couldn't continue to do that move um, because I just sat still. Um, he needed my help of moving forward to be able right. to get enough force to to pick me up.
3: That's and if it, just to be clear, if Huge's weapon had hit your attachment, it would have flown all over the box. I assume just completely shredded.
4: Um, it wouldn't have broke off. It was bolted to the bot pretty well, but it would have cut through it. Um, it's just thin-walled steel, so it would have demolished it after hit after hit.
3: Yeah. Um, If attachments like this one are banned in the future, what would a huge Hydra match look like if everything went perfectly for Hydra? Does it have the reach to flip the wheels? Can the flipper even cause damage to huge?
4: Um, It has the reach to touch the body in about the last three inches of stroke um, as it sits. Uh, As far as, you know... The next match, I'd have 28 pounds, um, at least this year. That's what the attachment weighed, um, of of armor that I could put on in some different fashion. Um, So he'd still have something to hit. It wouldn't just be titanium, uh, nice chewy titanium for them to bite into. So he'd still have a little bit of a fight on his thing, but I don't think I could really get some great flips in on him. Even if I you know, got under a wheel, it, it wouldn't be great. He'd just tip over, and then he's so awkward that he he just would spin circles and, and he'd be right back on top of me.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird conundrum fighting that, bot for sure, especially for a flipper.
4: Yeah. Bronco almost had it right where they had the, the horn up there.
3: Um, the unicorn they have, horn.
4: yeah, they almost had it right. Um, with that, the unicorn horn was to touch the body. What they needed was a, a chunk that the spinner would actually hit and then they could stop it. Um, just just like a v or some some chunk of steel that was up there that could stop the blade and then he can use the unicorn horn to kind of push him around. Um you got to be able to touch the body to have any control against it.
3: Yeah. Um all right, so last question from Kevin Sporka. What's your dream matchup for Hydra to face or a bot that you've always wanted to fight? Keep up the good work. We love to see a good strategy.
4: Uh man, I I haven't thought too far ahead, but I mean it'd have to be Bite Force. I mean, just a the chance to try to try to take down Polly uh since he's such a good friend. Um and since nobody else really has found an answer for him, I I want to see if my front end, which was kind of designed for him, would be able to work against him.
3: Yeah, he's uh he's a popular answer to this question. Well of
4: course everybody wants to take down the top.
3: (laughs) All right. So next question is from Noel Villegas who writes a couple of questions. One, how dare you?
0: (laughs) Two. (laughs) Um, I dared. I dared.
3: (laughs) How did you make weight for the cow catcher? Was Hydra just underweight?
4: Oh, I got to the hydraulics. No, dude, that was the, the worst thing that people said online was I just completely got to the hydraulics and I just completely cheated on the match. There's, that is absolutely not true. Um, that the hydraulics, was perfectly functional the flipper worked. um BattleBots released video of that uh, of me testing the flipper beforehand with my little pop that i do so i don't do a, a full dry fire um and the flipper would have went all the way to the top um uh, the the cow catcher was high enough that the flipper could have went up and, and not actually touched it um i forgot the question though so
3: <laughs> no you that you answered all that was hydra just underweight but you oh. said you got rid of all of your armor. Like yeah, I took, I took off all
4: the wedgelets, um, and, and there's we got AR plates that are, we bolt onto the front face as well that we we took completely off, and then um, we put the attachment on. There is more weight we could have taken out of it yet. Uh, we can take out two sets of batteries, and we can take out the back wheels. Uh, but I wanted to leave as, as much base config as, uh, as I could, so just taking off armor and bolting on new stuff. That way everything can be done from the outside of the bot instead of having to open it up.
3: Um, so they had a third question which you pretty much answered, which is uh, were you trying to be the villain or was it edited to make you look that way? And I think your answer is kind of both.
4: Uh, yeah, um, definitely both. I mean, if, if it's good for the show, I'll, I'll play it. Um, I, I won't deny that.
3: Um, and have you embraced it at this point, being the heel? Have you, have you like embraced that role? Oh, I
4: wish it would come come off as actually being the heel, not just a jerk. Um, but uh, I mean, hopefully, further on with some of the cuts I got, um, maybe I can look, you know, more villainous, get my get my evil laugh on, kind of thing.
3: I think you should go more Ric Flair. You know, throw some woos in there, and like oh, you know, yeah. talk about your Rolexes. I
4: I definitely don't uh, go woohoo.
3: Um, <laughs> that's,
4: that's, that's not me. I don't get too excited ever.
3: All right, so we've got some uh, a two-part question from Sumi Shik. Um, the first question is, uh, you know, kind of also intended for us. First, this is for the hosts too. Do you think each show is constructed to have a controversial match in each episode? However, the real order might be. I actually, I do have this theory. I think that uh, I think that this season in particular, they they did spread out those controversial fights, especially since we know the beta match did not happen at the same time as the rest of the matches in that episode. But what are your thoughts on that, Jake? Um,
4: for the most part that it's not, um, we actually have a list of, of every fight that went in, in order. Um, and they're, they're not doing too much jockeying around of, of the positions of where they fought and in which episode that they aired it in.
3: Wow. So this tournament just had, like every day or uh, like twice a day you'd have these moments where everybody was like come on like um, at the filming
4: yeah for the for the most part it's it's been um that way i mean i think there was two fights that maybe got switched so far but other than that they're pretty much in their right episodes
3: wow wow okay uh second how would you like to see Sal and tombstone meeting at full speed as a test of durability in the battle box
4: Oh, I love that um, because if we if it went weapon to weapon, it'd be a toss up. Um, either way, uh, they both have huge energies. Um, I think I think the bars would probably withstand better than our hammers would. Um, but if it wasn't weapon on weapon, we purposely designed South to have the reach to hit, you know, Tombstone center stock, and just whiff it right off. So I mean. He would have to decide whether he wants to go weapon on weapon or or try to go underneath and try to touch the body. But I mean, I would hope it'd go under the body.
3: Yeah. All right. So next question from BattleBot Superfan Mary Catherine Carr. Um, there's a thing called spirit of the rules that people, including myself, have said you were violating using the huge attachment. Now. Because of your willful non-use of your weapon and BETA similar violation, there might be new rules slash penalties in place to make this something that doesn't happen in the future. What are your thoughts? Is this good or bad?
4: If it was Comedy Central days, that's where, that's where we're from. Um, I mean, that's where our spirit of the game comes. Is it was watching attachment bots. It really was. I mean, coming with farm steel and uh, just adding stuff onto your bot. I mean, we've seen that a ton. And, and we took that same kind of mentality throughout the years and, and kind of stuck with it. Um, I mean, this season or, you know, the previous four seasons, the spirit of the game probably has a different definition for some other teams. Um, but the way I look at it is, is if Hydra's destroyed, the fans don't get any more good matches. So yeah. I, I take the safe way, you know, give me one match, let me do it so it just gets it done. And then uh, from then on, I can put on a show.
3: Um, other Mary Mary Catherine Carr question. I've seen plenty of people say that you're a nice guy, but the same people aren't really enjoying your TV persona. How difficult is it to balance? Do you regret any of your TV portrayal? And do you feel like it's helping or hurting your behind the scenes off screen reputation?
4: I mean, if it's good for TV, it's, it's, it's what's going to be, I mean, I'm pretty much myself. Um, you know, between screen and and on time, it's just, you know, the way they cut, you can make it definitely go one way harder than the other. Um, but if, if playing the heel is, is what, you know, BattleBots wants, that's what they're going to get. I mean, they're paying us to be there, put on a competition and everybody says it's a TV show. Right. But then they get, you know, all up in my business, you know, for trying to play the heel and trying to just put on a show for them. Um, but I can definitely see where their complaints are. Uh, Yes, um, even looking back on it, my wife, uh, she's she's over cringing watching the show as I say this, you know, stupid stuff on TV, and, and she's like, "Oh my God, why don't you tell me?" Because she is completely in the dark on everything. I I don't tell her that we won the nut, or I don't tell her that, um, you know, if we won e- even a match. So, oh,
1: oh that's wait, fun. I guess um, some uh, some executives from the Discovery Channel are also noticing your persona. In- uh, they're starting to ask questions now, whether or not this guy can come in and mine gold or or go fetch fetch crabs out of the ocean.
4: I mean, that's that's their call. Um, I I just give them <laughs> I just give them you know whatever I can, and then they can they can take it and swing it any way they
3: want. <laughs> um. All right. Uh, here's the final question for Mary Catherine Carr. I, it's an interesting one. Uh, first, I wanted to say, uh, so I like, we, we of course really like the um, the Tale of the Tape after show where we participate in it, and it's a it's a fun product that those guys put out. Uh, after the first episode where you did say, you know, which doctor was overrated, Mike said in that episode of Tale of the Tape that uh, he didn't understand what the context you said that was because you're actually a big teddy bear, and he couldn't imagine you saying that. Um, which I thought was really cute. So I I wanted to point that out.
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, Mike's, Mike's really awesome. Um, and I went over to him um, multiple times and, and we were always talking and, and, and when our match got, uh, announced, I, I, you know, text him right away. He's like, Hey, Hey buddy, what's up? (laughs) You know, kind of, kind of messing with him, doing a little jarring back and forth. And, um, I mean, I stated before that that whole overrated thing and stuff—that was all, you know, taken out of context because I was given the bad side, villain guy side. But um, I don't, I don't really. Th- Even if you are the worst bot in the world, I am not gonna downgrade anybody because they come here, they take their time, they take their money, they want to come here, they put on a show, bring a bot. I mean, I can't, I can't say negative comments about anybody who does that, really.
3: No. And like, I mean, you know, Mike and Andre are like the hardest working couple in the world. They're, they're fantastic people. Um, all right. So final question from Mary Catherine Carr, why only one chassis? You have to know they're going to want to find ways to take you down. So that seems overly risky. If you really want the nut,
4: uh, I guess they're going to have to keep looking right? But no, um, it's, it was, uh, it was very time consuming, um, putting that together. Uh, the whole body is titanium unibody frame. Um, it's formed, um, the, the frame members inside are all titanium too. It's all welded. Uh, it maybe for next season, um, we might make a secondary frame and and have it so that it's, uh, you know, ready to roll, but. I mean, going in from last year, this is exactly the same frame as, la- as uh, last year into this year, um, besides where we cut the front end off. Literally just took a plasma torch, cut the front end off, and then redesigned it and welded in new um, a front hinge, as you will, for the wedgelets, because uh, last year's wedge really wasn't that great. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll look forward to, to two frames, but we we're even going from the back, in the back in the old days, we were under the assumption you, you run what you brought you know you you bring your one bot and and that's how it that's how you roll
3: that's interesting all right so um fan question from klepton gilroy we had a similar question from sammy bendali if you meet huge again in this tournament which i can imagine being fairly likely since they will likely be a very low seed and Hydra will be a very high one Will you use your attachment again, or will you have already cooked up something else in the pits? Surely production wouldn't let you do that twice. Uh,
4: I couldn't use it again if I wanted to. Um, Let's just say I I had to cut it up for something else.
3: Ah. turn. Uh-huh, yes. Oh, uh, not spoiler, spoiler information there. That's Uh awesome. can't wait to hear the speculation on what that's about. Uh
4: Uh-huh. (laughs) <laughs> I, I hope it gets on screen at least.
1: That's awesome. We're going to jump to some, uh, some other questions about 2020 Hydra. Uh, the first coming from Sub-Zero Captain Logan Davis, who writes, Oh, that guy. I thought the huge match. Yeah, we, we also love Logan. Logan's great. Sub-Zero's great. Um, and uh, Logan writes, I thought the huge match was super exciting. I was on the edge of my seat for all three minutes and the judge's uh, decision uh your driving had to be perfect for a solid 3 minutes and he kept waiting for that one mistake that would destroy your bike rack. I guess my question is how much driving practice did you actually get in the run up to the season asking for a friend.
4: Uh I just want to state that Logan um through all this, you know, controversy and these uh these, you know, really negative posts that we've been seeing, uh he actually was one of the first guys to reach out and just say, "Hey, how how's it going, man?" you know and uh, he was super supportive, and uh, I really appreciate um, what he does. Um, but as far as driving, I mean, Richard, uh, Dick Stuplich, he uh, he gave me about a 5% chance of actually being able to keep that thing on on him and, and not have him rip rip the, the front end off. I mean, he, well, he was not expecting anything. He was on the edge of his seat watching it, and uh, the whole match was really a blur. Um, we can't. We don't remember it, you know, actually being there because it was like just so fantastic. As far as the show goes, yeah, I've heard a lot of people um, say that it was exciting just waiting for that hit, you know, waiting and waiting and waiting. And uh, I mean, if I look back and still not using the flipper say in the thing, if the pin wouldn't have happened, I think it probably still would have it would have helped the excitement level because it, it would have had more chances of of getting around and and trying to uh, to, to rip it apart
1: yeah, I mean, he touches on this and and i I totally agree. I remember uh, watching the episode for the first time. you know, I was here with Lindsay, and uh, I was both on the edge of my seat and very bored at the same time. but I guess now you know that I really have a chance to reflect on it, it was very exciting waiting for that for that for that cattle prod or or bike rack or whatever you want to call it. To get mangled like you would have uh, expected, um, kind of similar to ha- how huge, uh, you know, uh, inflicted so much damage to to mammoth uh, in the earlier fight, but yet mammoth still kind of maintained itself and ended up pulling off the match. But uh, right. you know, it was it was it, it, so we already knew ahead of time what you know what huge could do to that material, um, and sure. uh, it, it just was it was all about just not getting the angle. It was about being you know, constantly under that state of pressure. And I do, I do, when I reflect on it, it was actually, uh, you know, me sitting on the edge of my seat. And then through the judge's decision, like, it was pretty intense. And I could see, understand why the, the controversy and everything, you know, sparked. Um, but, uh, you know, if 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 that's what the show, uh, you know, wants, that's what the show wants. I,
4: I, I think you're in the boat of a lot of people, actually, because a lot, I see a lot, a lot of people kind of, going that same mentality where they start thinking about it and then they, they maybe watch it again, even. And they're like, okay, you know, it, it wasn't as dull as it was previously. And, and they can get their mind wrapped around a different um, style of, of fighting, I guess. Um, but I don't think I actually answered Logan's question. What was the end of his question?
1: Uh, so Logan's question was about how much time you actually had preparing oh, and practicing using that device.
4: Uh, and- using that device was zero. Absolutely zero. The the
1: Um, very first time that you attached it was the very first time that you had practiced with it.
4: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, The biggest thing um, going into that match was we went in the night before and measured what the walls were. Um, It turns out that my little down riggers that were on the very ends could have got hooked on the wall. Um, So I had to be super careful about going anywhere near the wall because I could have got, because they're raked backwards i could have ran over the wall with the arm and then it would have fish hooked and i would have been stuck on the wall especially in that corner where i had them pinned um mm-hmm. i couldn't turn um very far otherwise i, I would have been you know handicapped there and, and not been able to get off it and then huge would it got out and then easily ripped me apart because i was you know stuck on the wall
1: you probably so, would have actually had to fire your weapon to try to dislodge yourself
4: uh i don't jump high enough i don't think um on a fire to actually try to get out. Um, it would, it would have been a struggle definitely. Um, but even going into this season, I drove the bot. I think, I think I put five sets of packs through it, which each set of packs is like three minutes driving. So that's, that's all the driving I had between the two seasons.
1: All right. Uh, the next question I have is from uh, Brandon Weeb, who writes, well, first, nice uh, nice work on the fight. There's not enough viewers that are actually appreciating the perfect driving that was required with that cow catcher in order for it to not get completely destroyed against a slippery and dangerous opponent like Huge. Now, I'm assuming that they mean this is your primary weapon, but the the follow-up to that is, I'm very impressed with the weapon. How quickly does it recharge to full power after firing? <laughs>
4: uh, yeah, with the actual primary weapon. Um, it's about eight seconds. Um to get full power um but the way the accumulator is set up with our tank we have about one and a half shots in it so if i miss on the first shot um without pumping up any more um i would have about another half a shot so i could get them you know tipped over and, and not have lose too much control in the fight uh, but you can see um during s- some of my fights that i'm just kind of sitting there um underneath the, a guy like like witch doctor and i would i would wait and i would wait and i would wait and it's kind of boring that way but um i'm waiting for that pump to to you know give me some fluid and then i can actually get a a higher flip on there. so during a lot of these matches i'll be i'll be selectively picking my shots um but going into to next season um we're gonna probably go brushless on the pump as well, so it'll get down to about four seconds between big flips. Uh, so a lot of damage happens not on the flip itself, but when they, when they start hitting that ground. And with that new steel floor, uh, the shock loading is just tremendous um, when they start hitting. Um, and that's what we're that's what we're hoping for with that bot. Um, not so much on the way up, but it's it's the landing that's gonna hurt some people.
1: Now, I actually have a, a flurry of questions from Jesse Mollen, who, you know, asks a little bit more detail about some of the functionality of, of your bot. And his first question is, of course, how on earth does that hydraulic flipper work? Uh, but then there's a, a subset of questions. What is its working fluid? How, uh, you know, how is the whole mechanism so dense? Um, and does it actually perform with the strength of hydraulics or as enhanced pneumatics?
4: Um. Okay, I can probably hit all those. Um, it is not dense, (laughs) let's say that. Um, it that thing is weaved between every component in that frame. I mean, it's it's pretty big and it's bulky. Um, it's like 90 pounds alone, um, not including the the cylinder weight and the, the 20 pound flipper weight. And uh, if I if I gutted it, the frame alone is only 70 pounds, so it's it's definitely heavy. Um, what uh we just use standard hydraulic fluid yeah. and it's anti-foaming so that way it, um, when it's traveling super fast between the accumulators and the the piston that it doesn't um, foam up or, or get air bubbles in there. Uh, and then it's it's kind of like a, a, a big spring is what the air is used for. We pump it up prior to the match to about 2100 PSI um, and then as the pump is pumping, it's it's putting fluid into the accumulators, which is actually pushing the air back, which is just acting like a big spring, really, um, inside the accumulators. And it's, it's filling up the accumulators with, say, 45 cubic inches of, of fluid. Um, and as soon as I, I hit the flipper, then we have our big 120-gallon-per-minute hydraulic valves, pop valves. Um, we open those up, and that dumps the shot um, from the accumulators into the, the end of the piston, um, which sends uh, the the flipper up. Um, the flipper has about three thousand pounds at the tip um, of force of lifting force. So you can kind of calculate out how how high bots can go based on their overall weight. Um, the the real key is is between this and the new standard pneumatic system is is we had to figure out the right arm geometry so that as the flipper was putting pressure in because as the accumulators losing fluid to the the pistons it's actually losing pressure as well um, because the spring is getting weaker and weaker so we had to make sure that there was an ever-increasing force on the flipper that way instead of just a, a hit um at the at the very start and then you're not putting any more energy into them on the flip. You had it so that it, it keeps going faster and faster and faster all the way to the top. That way over the, the 18 inches or so that the, the flipper actually goes up in the air, the other bot's in contact pretty much the whole time. Uh, and that's where you can get a good amount of energy transfer instead of having just one hard hit, and then you lose most of your energy.
1: So I have some questions to, from uh, Scorpio's co captain Zach Lytle and Diana Tarlson. Uh, uh, Zach's question is, is it true that there's a pneumatic and hydraulic system within Hydra? And then I have a question from uh, Diana who asks, if Scorpio cuts off uh, the flipper of Hydra, how many flippers grow back in its place? <laughs>
4: uh, yeah, it's the air is acting as a spring. So technically it has pneumatics, but in the accumulator we could just put a massive steel spring in there and it would act exactly the same direction. Um, but we wanted the extra air mass in there because it, it gives you a, a higher or actually a lower change of pressure over the, the distance the accumulator travels that way at your, your start of your shot, it goes up to three, you know, your 3000 PSI that we pump the accumulators fully up to. And then it'll drop down to say 2,600 at the very end. Um, it wouldn't, it would drop down a lot lower if we didn't go with the air system. Um, and then as far as cutting off the arms, I don't have many arms. So not many heads are going to grow back from that one. Um, but I th- I really think it would take a while to cut through it. Um, the sidewalls of the flipper are, are half inch titanium, and the the front flipper face is 516. and then we put um, a three AR five hundred skin on it too. That's bolted to the face, so it's it's relatively beefy. Um, in fact, it's it's each side of the of the flipper because we have two sides of the, and then we have the the front panel that kind of links the two sides together each side is technically strong enough to do the flip that it needs to so we we definitely made it extra heavy because uh when you're putting stuff up in the air um a lot of spinners will still hit that so it has to be strong enough to be able to take those hits
1: yet uh i have a question from brian bruin uh who asks my 10 year old daughter was wondering what made you think of the design for hydra uh
4: actually it was it was looking at the floor. and 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 the the general generalized size of of huge it was he he doesn't hit the floor right so if we if we acted like a wall it would do the exact same thing he wouldn't hit anything um so then the design was just make sure that it was up roughly halfway um to his wheel set otherwise he could drive over top maybe easier um but if it was up halfway we're pretty much pushing on his center of gravity and then uh we just had to make it big enough. Um, we knew nearly how wide he was. He's about forty inches or so now. Um, Last, but it's we made it as big as possible, really, and and just had to keep it in front of him.
1: Right, right. So I have uh, some questions from Payne uh, Train team member Anthony Dambrosio, who asks. With the weight bonus Chomp is utilized, is there a chance we would see a Son of Waiachi return as a 500-pound walker?
4: Um, not a sow. Nope, definitely not. Uh, we do have two designs, though, for uh, a walking apparatus, you would say. Um, one would be uh, a big bar spinner. Um, actually, it would be two bar spinners. And it would kind of walk around two legs. And then two legs would be kind of connected together by a, a, t- a top bar, so they would walk almost like a zombie, um, moving back and forth. And that would have magnets in the bottom, so that we we had extra strength to to take the hits. Um, but the bars would be really t- relatively big. But now that they they capped the size of the the weight of the weapons, um, I don't think we can go that route anymore. And the the other way uh, would be kind of make a chomp with the with the base body. But actually, have a crane game, crane on this thing. So you try to go grab the bots and then take them over and, and set them out out of bounds, like a like a big old escalator. Both, uh,
1: both Cameron Hutton and I are interested to know if there were any other bots uh, that you saw this season that really impressed you.
4: Uh, looking back on it and, and looking at some of the matches, there's a there's a couple of bots that kind of stand out. I mean, I watched most of Blood Sports build reports that they were putting out and uh i was really impressed with with how they were you know doing their stuff um and then uh uppercut's first match i mean albeit against two smaller bots but that thing was uh was punting pretty good i mean so i mean those two bots really stick out um and i i guess i really don't see too many matches while we're there because it's just it's actually pretty tiresome. Uh, we, we are, I can officially say that we're probably the first team that's almost ever there, uh, between us and the black dragon guys, really. Uh, they were, they were there pretty early sometimes too. And then we're always, you know, right to the end when they, they start shutting down production, we're there. So, I mean, it's, it's work for us. We're not on vacation. When we go out there, uh, we're there, you know, six in the morning till 10 at night or, or even later. And then, uh, we put the time in and then I think, uh, it's, it's starting to show uh the same was for bite force i mean he was he had guys there early in the morning every time and and that extra time really uh makes a big difference yeah you get a little bit more tired um but we we put a huge pop-up tent inside this building this year uh we put a a, co- uh, a couch in there and we had all of our you know a fridge and we we made it as cozy as we possibly could because the pits were just ginormous this year and we were spaced apart, and we had plenty of room. So you still wanted that extra privacy feel, I guess, from having an enclosed structure on the inside, but um, it was uh, really good to kind of have your own spot yet.
1: Cameron also writes, as part of a Team Wyachi, you're all well-known for your high-quality machining and your massive arsenal of resources. What's your favorite material to work with?
4: Well... For for weapons, I say we use a lot of S seven. Definitely use a lot of S seven. Um, but as far as working with, I've heard people say nightmares about titanium. Um, how it's welding and forming. It's it's not great fun. But I think we have fairly good processes down that it, it's actually like. I mean, it's it's really fun for us to do, um, and we're we're fairly good at um, doing it. And I can do most of the the welding and and fixing. Um, at the event, Um, the the Miller guys there, they have all the equipment, and I just go up and ask them if I can use it, and they're like, oh, yeah, sure, Uh, go right ahead, and then they're kind of watching, and some of the guys are like, oh, you want to stick around for a little bit, you know, Uh, but uh, it's, it's, I mean, this year was way different than other years. I mean, for the most part, um, most people have heard about our outside pit wyachi tent that we usually get away from people um in the pit uh, this year we didn't have to do that because everybody was spaced apart um pretty far but it was it was definitely different not getting that same talking to people feel and and uh everybody you know close pit quarters and you could actually get to know bots and you wouldn't have to walk a half mile to go see your competition and um, mm. so in that way it was uh, quite a bit different
1: all right, got some final questions from Jackpot team member Shea Waffles Johns, who asks, the Waiachi Pit was pretty awesome and makes it obvious that you're completely in your element at BattleBots. Do you all do family camping trips and stuff in a similar fashion, or is BattleBots the big thing you do together?
4: Uh, recently, um, it, it hasn't been too many camping trips. Um, we like to go to Canada, and we, we fly out to a remote cabin, In Canada and and we just fish for like a week um so we do do that uh but as far as battlebots goes I mean we we got to make it comfortable you really do I mean with such long days you have to make it your own um and we found out uh pretty much just ask for permission after the fact most people get over whatever you're doing uh especially at the tent It, it, it raised some eyebrows at first I'll tell you that um but after you know sitting there for a day or two and we just continually kept adding to this thing too so we the first night it was just the the canopy and then the next day we'd put on another wall and then another wall and another wall then all of a sudden it's completely enclosed and nobody's you know nobody's the wiser but after at that point it's like nobody even cares so it was you just got to make it your own just that's the only way about it you got to feel comfortable with what you're doing otherwise it's it's just a drag.
1: How does uh, Combat Robotics share time with the uh, mechanical stuff that you do in your day-to-day? And, uh, you know, are they, are they like, all as one? Or do you have, like, a, a ways and means that you separate them?
4: Um, the bot parts from other guys and our standard products are probably about 5% of the business. I'll, I'll say coming into a competition, it starts taking up quite a bit more. Um, maybe 50 to 60 or even more than that. I mean, because when guys come to us a week or two beforehand and, and they're like, hey, can you get this out? I mean, we're the team that usually can get that out for them. Um, and we try our best to to get everything we can um, to these guys because they're, they're putting, you know, they're paying us, but they need a, a decent product. They need it quick. Um, and, and we want to see them work we don't want to go to the competition and have these bots not working or they didn't have a weapon in time. Um, Cause I, I know for a fact that uh, two days before we had a, a couple of one team come to us for a weapon and we actually had to ship it out next day air. So they had it for that Friday f- to put into their bot. So, I mean, it's, it's nice having a shop and, and we can do what we love while kind of working at the same time. Um, sometimes it definitely is distracting though. Uh, when you see, you know hydro fusion sitting there and you're like oh i could do this today and then oh we actually got work to do so
1: well jake thank you so much for taking some time and coming in and and sitting in the hot seat i know that you um have been trying to uh deflect blows from the internet now for about 48 hours or so maybe 72 hours about a week from the time of this podcast and uh you know it's uh, it's it's great to to hear from you and to kind of get it, to uh, look at the you know the other side and 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 to to hear um you know how how you uh how you kind of work through a challenge uh so you know thank you for coming and spending the time with us today
4: yeah i mean it was uh, it was good i mean the the controversy a lot of people are like, "Hey, how you doing?" You know, but I'm rolling most of this stuff off, and and I, I love the the fan engagement. Uh, I just want to say thank you to the fans. I mean, good or bad, you guys coming after us, or you know, all that stuff makes you know people better. Um, it makes the show what it is. Um, everybody is going, you know, everybody wants to make the show as good as they can, and if they spot outrage or if they want a rule change or whatever that's just going to make the sport even better um so I, I i just gotta say thank you to all those guys and and to all the builders too um they spend a lot of time a lot of money doing this stuff and with not not a lot of reward um so i gotta thank them all for for coming out and uh mostly being good sports about it all right thank you jake
1: okay i'll see you guys after the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World.
2: Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. In a week where we are desperately, desperately looking for good news. We're traveling all the way to Estonia where the engineers at Milram are working on a new robot that can autonomously plant two and a half acres worth of trees every six hours. The multi-scope Forester planter has a maximum speed of 12 miles an hour and can carry a payload of up to 380 seedlings. So it's nice to know that, you know, out there people are designing robots to do this type of work and, we all know uh, we could use a few more trees on this planet. I do wonder if it can come to uh, my garden because we have quite a few raised beds and it's almost around the corner to be planting season. So maybe uh, maybe it can help me out a little bit. I don't know. But this is really nice. It's really cute. Thank you, Estonia. What do you guys think? I think it's
3: nice. I think it's very nice.
2: It reminds me of...
3: Um those shotgun shells that are actually full of tree seeds have you seen these
2: yes
3: so it's something that's like made f- that could be potentially you know very violent or a very like a destructive tool but it's used for something awesome and growth oriented i like it i think it's really
0: Kyle so nice. wait you're shooting ducks or something with these tree seeds like no no they are they are
3: literally um like for planting seeds that is that is all they are for
0: this is the most American way of planting seeds I've ever... <laughs> Are you shooting your, your shotgun at the ground and just burying seeds? Yeah, yeah, that's that's. What? What it Kyle, this is fake. I have to look this up. Are no. you seeing- 100% real. Wait, I- shotgun shells made out of
2: seeds? <laughs> I think they do it with, like, wildflower seeds, too. Yep. What? Yeah, it's a real thing. Kyle knows all about unconventional guns. First it's monkey gone or whatever that was called. Now this.
0: Wow. Wow. Plant like a true gun loving American by firing off a few rounds of shotgun shell flower seeds. These innovative shells take the boring hard work out of farming and gardening and replace it with the thrill of taking aim, pulling the trigger and planting.
3: Wow. So my parents lived in a deed-restricted neighborhood that had very strict rules about lawns, and they did not like those rules, so they were like joking that they were going to rip out their lawn and just replace it with wildflowers. And um, my mom, who's very much so a hippie, uh, loved this idea. My dad, who was very much so a gun-loving, NRA, card-carrying American, uh, did not like this idea unless he was allowed to purchase these shotgun shells for it. Um, and he did buy a few and experiment with them, as I recall. So there you go.
1: Aggressive terraforming.
3: <laughs> and now we're doing it with robots. I love it. Next thing we know, we're going to give robots shotguns with shells full of seeds.
1: <laughs> Look out, Mars.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the, the photo of this multiscope Forester planter, and it looks kind of like Rusty. You know, like it looks, it's got the big tank treads. You know, it's pretty long. Um, maybe, maybe Rusty has a second life after this uh, this season as a as a tree planter.
3: Oh yeah, he can use his little hammer drill thing to drill a little hole to put the seed into. I, I love
1: this idea. I think we just figured out the end of the kids' book. Mm. Yes, right, Chris. Right. I do, do, <laughs> you gotta. Did we
0: do we do we talk about on the podcast about this kid's book or no? Was that just after the show after we stopped
1: recording? Oh, a, a potential after? rusty kids book.
0: Yeah. Oh my god. Now we're now we're giving it away. Yeah. I I think the rusty illustrated children's book is is a it's
1: a bestseller. I think we just wrote the whole story. Rusty was a bot that was built to fight, but it ends up planting flowers.
2: <laughs> this Aww. is perfect.
1: This is perfect.
2: <laughs> I think that you could pair up Rusty and Grabbot. Rusty can drill the little holes, and Grabot could drop the little seeds into the holes.
0: Lindsay, stop.
3: Stop. I yeah, love too so much robotic yeah. cuteness in this story.
1: <laughs> and Hydra can come and just tear everything in shreds.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and roll away laughing the entire way and say, it was within the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, that's about it for us today. We'll be back in your feed next Wednesday with another mystery guest. We'll see you then, folks.
0: Bye.
3: Bye.
2: Goodbye.